Hello, everybody. We're back with the Things Christians Want to Know podcast. Starring. <laughs> Come on now. Starring Jesus <laughs> and accompanied Whoa. by Paul Anderson. Hello, people. And I'm Nate Johnson. And uh, we have been talking about... Sorry, we're laughing here. We've been having a little too much fun. Uh, yes. Before yeah. recording. Um, we've been talking about doing the voice of God for other people, a.k.a. New Testament prophecy and the prophetic. We've talked about some things that we encourage people to do and some things that we encourage people not to do, especially mm-hmm. when they first get into um, sharing words with other people. And Paul, why don't you give us a quick recap of the story that you shared um, at the end of the last session because I'd like to continue that conversation because that's really helpful. Sure. I think talking about guidelines um, are, are helpful for us. As, as We were just talking about this, but as pastors, part of our job is to fan the flames mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. Fire is, is a common metaphor in Scripture for the Holy Spirit. We fan the flames, but we also provide the boundary mm-hmm. for the fire. Mm-hmm. Fire in a fireplace is wonderful. Fire in the middle of the living room is not as wonderful. Uh, fire pit outside can be wonderful, but a fire on the side of your house mm-hmm. is actually quite dangerous. Yes. And so it is our job as pastors, not that we are your pastor, unless you happen to be in our church, um, but our job as pastors, as leaders, is to help provide those boundaries to keep people safe, mm-hmm. but allow the flame to grow. And to flourish mm-hmm. as much as possible. Because sometimes people get overzealous and they try to jump in the fire. Or they try to move the fire to a place where it's dangerous for the fire to be. And so part of our job is to help um, keep that from happening. So could you share with us, maybe recap real quick, um, that thing that happened at a conference sure. um, here in the Twin Cities a number of years ago? Yeah. So young adults that I had some responsibility for, we were leading a young adult movement. And we had a bunch of kids in our home every week. Kids, I call them, young adults. And they went to a conference, and they came back. It was a prophetic conference. They came back, and I said, so how was it? I wanted to hear some encouraging words, and I didn't get any. I asked probably five different people, and the best I could get out of them was, it was okay. And I thought, what, what was the problem there? And so they shared a couple things with me. And I said, we need to get together and talk about this. Mm -hmm. So there were about 12 of them that I remember uh, that had gone to this conference. And I'd been to conferences like this before. And they were helpful. They were profitable. And this one apparently wasn't. So we talked together. And because it was so important, I brought Dan Siemens, who worked with me mm-hmm. at Lutheran Renewal, who, who has a gift of discernment and a very wise man, and Fred Tony, mm-hmm. who would sit next to me at the, prophetic, at, at the Holy Spirit Conference because he has a prophetic gift to help us discern. So we talked for a whole evening, and I was taking notes, and then I wrote up what we pulled out of that discussion together. So I'm just going to read it. Uh, There are 10 points that came out of it. 
and uh, interrupt if there's something that you want to add or ask about. But I'll make these 10 points here. And I've titled it Processing the Prophetic. So number one, prophecy needs to be understood. Paul writes, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? That's 1 Corinthians 14.8. Prophecy is meant to bring clarity so people can say amen and unbelievers can even understand it. Verse 24 and 25 of that chapter. The fact that the young adults could not make sense of some of the prophecies reflects more on the speakers and on the listeners. Mm -hmm. A prophet needs to do two things well. Listen attentively and speak clearly. Prophetic jargon not understood blurs the purpose of prophecy. Mm -hmm. One attendee sent out conference notes after the event. I read it. The email said, for those of you not bent toward the prophetic, some of the notes may seem confusing. Did you have to give that disclaimer? That's not, <laughs> yes. that's not good. <laughs> I had to agree as I read them. Should we apologize for prophecy given for, as Paul says, strengthening, encouragement, and comfort? If it is confusing, it is none of the above. Yeah. Okay? So that's the first point we made. And I would throw in language into that being a big one. You mentioned jargon, that there are, I mentioned different actions, certain places. Sometimes you can tell who have been, who you've been influenced by, by the way you act. And I think that it's very true for jargon. And sometimes I hear people speaking and I can tell yes. what they've been listening to or what church they go to. And sometimes I can actually guess. And it's not because I'm prophetic. <laughs> okay it's right. just because oh you say holy spirit instead of the holy spirit <laughs> yeah that that automatically says some things to me mm -hmm. or you refer to uh yeshua instead of jesus mm -hmm. that says other things to me mm -hmm. i'm not saying those things are wrong don't don't get me wrong and i'm not making fun of them either but i'm saying that they are culturally specific mm -hmm. and especially if you're going to be doing public prophecy that just it's unhelpful it's unhelpful because it can be confusing to people. Yes. If you speak in the King James, it's not wrong, but it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. And it might be confusing. And it's our job, if we are preaching, it's our job for, to make people learn. For prophesying, it's our job to make people understand it so that they can be encouraged. Otherwise, of what worth is what you just did? Yes. And I think that's what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 14, the whole chapter, actually. Yeah. Number two, the old is interpreted by the new. That's the Old Testament, but we could all say the Old Covenant is interpreted by the new. This is called progressive revelation. Hebrews interprets Leviticus, not vice versa. That doesn't mean that we don't find value in the whole of Scripture, but it does mean, for instance, that New Covenant prophecy becomes our ultimate standard, not Old Testament prophecy. To state the obvious, the blood of Jesus is greater than the blood of goats. We need to be careful how we draw from the old. And I think they were drawing some things from the old that were esoteric, hard to understand, and it uh, confused the people that were listening. So it, careful how we draw from the old, lest we project an Old Testament theology that has been superseded by the New Covenant. 
That's number two. That is difficult. And um, I like what you say here. There are some who take that idea too far. And I was just talking to someone about this who's having a problem with the church they go to because they believe there, people there tend to take it too far and say the Old Testament is pointless. Mm. There's no value in that mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we had a conversation about that. And I would say, no, it's all very valuable. We just have to remember that the new interprets the old because yeah. everything in human history is about Jesus. Jesus is the focal point of scripture. He's the focal point of humanity. He's the focal point of creation. Jesus is everything. He is the very fullness of God dwelling bodily on earth. Mm-hmm. He is everything we need to know about who God is and what God's like. And so everything else in scripture is therefore interpreted through the lens of Christ himself. Mm-hmm. And understanding the new covenant and the sacrifice that he made, that is how we interpret the old. That's why I like the way he said this. Um, but s- sometimes then we read the old covenant and it talks about this curse or that curse. And it talks about this thing or that thing. And it's like, okay, well, y- you do have to remember that we're under the new covenant now. And that does have differences. The new covenant is different than the old. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that everything Ezekiel said is no longer valid. Not at all. It just does. It just means we need to interpret it through yes. the lines of the New Testament. It does not mean we throw it out. Yes, I think that's a grave mistake. Some people would prefer to throw it out because they have a hard time understanding how could a God do some of the things that we see in the Old Testament and yet be Jesus. And because of that immaturity of understanding, they then prefer to just punt. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to punt the Old Testament because it makes my life a little easier. Mm-hmm. And that's not right nope. Jesus certainly didn't punt it no he didn't hey number three Pentecost leveled the prophetic playing field the outpoured spirit means that your sons and daughters shall prophesy isn't that wonderful mm-hmm. when seasoned prophets demonstrate their prophetic gift at our conferences no one is saying I could do that but Paul writes you can all prophesy So we want to turn our young adults into learners, not just admirers. Rather than a special group, such as we find in the Old Testament, we want the whole body receiving revelation and sharing prophetic words. That means, and this is number four, that prophets release the gift of prophecy. They don't just prophesy. The responsibility of an evangelist is to help create a climate where evangelism flourishes, not simply do evangelism. So a prophet helps the prophetic gift to grow. That means demystifying it, telling people they can do it, making it clear and teaching them how. And so we actually talked about this after some of our conferences where we had wonderful, gifted, prophetic people. I blessed them for their gifting. And we said, how about if we have a couple prophetic types who can teach us? And they began doing that instead of giving these high-powered words from the front. Huge difference. Huge difference. Huge difference. And the young adults were excited about that because then they, including my daughter, said, I can do this. Yep. And I don't think it was wrong 
to do the quote-unquote high-powered words from no, the front. No, not at all. I think especially um, up until now, I think it's been very useful to build faith. Mm-hmm. Because you have to have a certain degree of faith to step out into the prophetic to try it, mm-hmm. right? And so by seeing enough people do it, that built enough faith within the body of Christ, I think, to really saturate that seed with a lot of good nutrients so that it could start to sprout. But now that it has sprouted, now that it is working, now that prophecy is is more common and is more um, done, yeah. <laughs> more people have jumped in the yes, waves yes, yes. and are playing in those waves. Um, because of that, I think I would like to see mm-hmm. the trend shift mm-hmm. in conferences, books, everything else, from that high-powered stage prophet mm-hmm. to... You're the prophet? Okay. Teach us how to prophesy. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Um, and I think that's where it needs to go. I haven't seen it go that direction yet. Neither have you, neither has my brother, and that's why we're all doing it this way. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we're right and they're wrong. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm a prophet either. Oh, I'm just saying I think it is the job of prophets. Like what you said, I love it. It is the job of prophets to help release prophets. Mm-hmm. Prophecy. It's the job of evangelists to get people to evangelize. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's a job of teachers to help make disciples and disciplers. Yes. And that's that's something that maybe the church hasn't really understood that well. Um, but I, I, I'd ho- I hope we see it more. I yeah. hope we see it more in the future. Yeah. So, if that is true that prophets release the gift of prophecy, then it also means that prophecy must be weighed. Paul writes that two or three prophets should speak and others should weigh carefully what is said. He also said, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. It's not an insult to test a mature person's prophecy. Hold on to the good. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21. We don't stone prophets under the new covenant, but we weigh their words. When a prophet says, this is the word of the Lord for your state, it would help if he or she would say, you need to weigh this. That's, That's fair. The genuine is strengthened when it is evaluated. Absolutely. And that's and that's what we always teach people to do. When you give a word, give it humbly. Yeah. I feel this, but please go and pray about this word yeah. and weigh it and judge it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in the moment we will, if we're praying for someone, we will say, does that, does that strike a chord with you? Does that mm-hmm. seem right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it does, then maybe we'll continue or not. But um, it, we have to let people know that we are not the high holy man coming down from the hill to give you a stone tablet we are just humble servants, and you go to someone and you say, hey, I think, I think this may be from God, but please pray about this, and you decide whether or not you think this is something that you need to pay attention to or not. Yeah. And then it's their responsibility, not yours. And that's important to remember. You as the speaker, the prophet, quote-unquote, small p, um, it's not your job to make sure they do what you say. You're just a messenger. That's really important and really helpful so that we don't have to worry once the word is given, 
we can walk from the scene and we've, mm-hmm. we've done our job if we've yep. given a word that we feel god has given us that we are not responsible for what they do with it yeah and i, I remember i got that wrong once mm. earlier days and i think it was in yeah i was in college had a word for someone that i was positive was right on it was mostly encouraging but there was a little bit of maybe warning in mm-hmm. there too it was a good friend so it wasn't it was an easy one to give um and they they were very very thankful mm-hmm. but they weren't changing anything and i expected to see some change because of this mm-hmm. and so part of it was my immaturity in understanding what my role was in this and part of it was probably pride and that well they're not doing what i said to do what's sure. their deal and so then i talk to them about it and i'm like hey you know and they're just and they're like well you know i'm praying i'm still praying about it and still trying to decide what i should do but it's my life so i'm gonna sure. they, they were got a little a, they felt i overstepped the line which guess what i had uh-huh. just because god gave me insight to their life doesn't mean i have any authority Mm-mm. over them at all in anything sure it is not my business what they do with the word i gave and this is something that we all need to understand, whether we're receiving or giving, yeah. is that if we're the messenger, we're just the messenger. We're the talking donkey that God is using right now to get through this person, and that's it. Yep. It's up to them. They're, they're, they have the responsibility to do it. And if you're the one receiving the word, you need to know this, too. It's your responsibility to weigh that word, to test that word, and to then follow it or not. It's not on the prophet or on the word itself to make itself come true. This is not magic, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not magic. Mm-hmm. And I could go off on this, but I will refrain. That, that, that is not fully understood <laughs> among a lot of circles that I know these days. The, the, the spirit, spiritual gifts, true supernatural stuff, this is not magic, okay? Mm-hmm. It is supernatural, but there's a big difference. Yeah. So a prophetic word is not a magic word. An abracadabra, something happens. That is not how prophecy works. Um, So, so yes, you have you have to weigh these words, and it's. I think a lot of us have probably received more words than we've given. Mm -hmm. Um, That's probably true for a lot of us. And so those words you received, like it's on you. It's your responsibility to weigh that to test it, and in, in another another podcast in the future we will get more in depth on what what it means to weigh a word and test a word yeah um real quickly i'll just say scripture is test number one if this word does not line up with scripture then it's not a word of god because the holy spirit wrote the bible through men and the holy spirit is not doesn't suffer from multiple personality disorder (laughs) he knew what he said back then and he knows what he's saying now he's not going to disagree with himself He doesn't have any problems like that. The Holy Spirit is really actually good at his job. He's quite a genius. And so he is not going to say anything now that is going to contradict what he already said. And that is test number one and two and through 34. And after that, we'll give you a few more another time. But that's the most important one. But you got to weigh the words. Okay, here's a sensitive one. Number six, political agendas. Blur prophecy. So true. The kingdom of God overrides every political agenda. They come with liability. Number one, blurring the nature of the gospel. Number two, expecting Mm -hmm. the world to live like Christians. And three, 
thinking that the kingdom comes through a political process. And so we have to keep those very separate. So huge. We could, maybe should at some point. If we if we get really I hear really a sermon, daring, I hear a sermon coming on, Nate, if, from if, you. If our faith increases, <laughs> yes. um, we could risk stepping out and doing a whole a whole show on that. That is such a big deal. Yeah, it's important not to. Jesus, we are the we are the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. Let's not cheat on him with anyone else. Good, good, including the Republican Party. That's right, or the Democratic Party. Ultimately, we're off political. Ultimately. The kingdom, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, that doesn't mean we choose, we don't choose a party, but it means that ultimately our agenda is the king's agenda. We're aliens. Yes. You're aliens and exiles on this earth. Our kingdom is not of this earth. Yes. Okay. Number seven, prophecy flows most clearly where fruit is manifest. Here's my, my dance that I do that... We fly with two wings. We, we need both wings to fly. We need the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural character of Jesus, and we need the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural ministry of Jesus. The gifts and the fruit. Yes. Yes. Yeah, both together. So the fruit is the character of Jesus, and he remains the greatest of all prophets and the standard, like you said earlier, for prophecy, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Humility and authenticity allow the prophetic gift to flow out of a clear spirit. So good. Okay, we're almost there. Number eight, we prophesy in part. The kingdom of God is not fully realized. Mm -hmm. He must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The down payment of the spirit tells us of good things to come, but we live with the tension of the now and not yet. Theologies that stress the now and forget the not yet create false hopes. And there was some now prophesying that they came home with that really disturbed them. And so that's why that came, is that prophesy, we only prophesy in part. Gotta, Gotta keep that humility. Yes. Gotta keep that humility. Prophecy is not for profit. That's P-R-O-F-I-T. Yes. Thank you. Leaders must be careful how their products are marketed. This is probably not it's not real important here, but, um, but it's in my notes, so I'm going to read it. To say, you need this book to understand what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. Orders on Manipulation. Mm-hmm. We told speakers at our Holy Spirit conference that they could make brief mention of books, or we would do it for them to avoid the self-pitch in a worship setting. And finally, prophecy is anchored in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. A young friend evaluating one of the evenings said he wished he could have at least heard a scripture read. When prophetic leaders reference a scripture, a clear exposition, exposition needs to be given. If leaders make an ambiguous spin from a passage that has a more accepted interpretation, they are teaching those who may respect them to deal with Scripture as they have. We want our young people to understand the Bible as a readable book. To stretch an interpretation gives them permission to tamper with truth. 
So I was really thankful at the end of that meeting that we had young people willing to grapple with this because they came mm-hmm. home disturbed and they were raising questions. And we wanted to line their hearts with the truth. And hopefully that evening helped them. And then I sent out these notes. That's really good. It's, it's so important to be able to have a, a way to measure stuff. Mm-hmm. A way to judge things. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't mean judge in the sense of condemn. I mean judge in the sense of make a determination. Yeah. Is this a good car or not? You have to judge that. And you have a list of things that you use for that. How is the engine? How many miles? How old is the car? Is there rust on the car? There's a whole list of things that you use to judge a car. And it's helpful to have that in your mind. Not that the purpose of going to a meeting is to judge what's happening. But the, like the verse you read, when someone gives a word, it's the responsibility of others to weigh that word mm-hmm. and make a determination on that. Mm-hmm. And it's important for us to do that. I'm not, again, I'm not saying let's walk around being very critical everywhere we go. That's, no. that's not our job. That's not our job. And they um, weren't. They, they weren't. They just said, what, what's, what was that all about? Yeah. They were confused. And so uh, this helped to bring clarity to them. That's good. I'm so proud of you for doing that because that's, that's something that a lot of leaders would say, oh, it wasn't good. Oh, well, that's too bad. It's usually good. Oh, oh well, maybe next year. Instead, you saw a, an opportunity to disciple them and to get at the bottom of something and to, to help everybody to grow. Yeah. Um, so they ended up, honestly, in a better place than they probably would have if the conference had been good. Could have been. Which is, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's part of the job of leaders is to help to find these boundaries to keep mm-hmm. the to keep the fire um, in the right place or to keep the river in the banks to keep it from overflowing yeah. whatever metaphor you want to use. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything else you can think of that you want to talk about right now in terms of um, talking about the prophetic, how we see the prophetic? I really like talking about this. Because I think some people view this as uh, something distant to them personally. And they may even know of other people who are close to them who have stepped into it, but they don't know how to do it. They, they don't see themselves in that way. So I'm glad we've talked about it in a way that I hope helps people who are listening to say what my daughter said after she heard these young friends from Norway come over with prophetic gifts, I could do that. I want people to say after they listen to us, I'd like to give this a try. I'd like to step into this. And so we would really encourage you who are listening, if this is something new for you, to say, God, I want to hear from you for my friends. I want to be able to help them, to bless them, to encourage them. And I'd encourage you to give it a try. Start in your own family. I do it with my kids when we go on a little vacation. I think ahead of time, okay? I write things down. I'm going to give them prophetic words. I'm going I'm to give them words about their future. So uh, I want to say to you, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree, and we've, you know, we've talked about a lot of um, issues that we've pointed out with sort of prophetic culture and things like that, and some things that we 
disagree with and some cautions that we have and all of that. Um, but be that as it may, let's not forget the, the main point that we've been saying the last few weeks, which is this is actually so much simpler yeah. than people have made it out to be, than we have made it out to be. It's just you see what you, you say, what you see, or what you hear. That's it. You just listen, and what you hear, what you feel, what you see in your mind's eye, you share with the other person. And the more you do that, the more you grow. It is a skill. It is a skill, just like any other. The more you use your faith, the stronger it gets. Yeah. The more you humble yourself, the more humble you become. And in fact, it's true it's, with everything. It says that exactly. Uh, faith. Uh, what, what verse am I looking for? You prophesy according to your faith. According to your he faith, says. right. So if that's true, as our faith grows, our prophetic gifting grows. Yep, that's right. And so... This is a skill you need to practice. Um, there are very, very few people uh, who get a quote-unquote gift of prophecy and all of a sudden, bam, they're incredible. Yeah. That is un unbelievably rare. But that's what people expect. People I've talked to, that's mm -hmm. what they, oh, God is just going to zap me and all of a sudden I can do this. And that's not actually the case. No. That's it, not how it works. Little by um, little. How it works is... You start doing it, and as you practice, you get better. It's just like hearing yeah. the voice of God for yourself. Yes, yes, you start yes. doing it, and as you practice, you get better. It's just like being a good spouse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you lay down your life for them every single day, and you, and you do it all the time, and eventually you get better. And and it's the same with any other skill in life. Same with tennis. <laughs> you you don't all, all of a sudden become a great tennis player. I mean, I grew up when Andre Agassi was, was like the big tennis player, right? And he was kind of fun to watch, and... He didn't just wake up and be awesome. No, sir. He worked really hard for a long time. And fortunately, it doesn't take anywhere near that much hard work or determination to be able to prophesy for your friends or for your family. Mm -hmm. It just takes a little bit of effort and practice. And I'd it's like worth to, it. It's I'd worth like the to time. pray. pray Please. Uh, pray for our friends who are listening. And we're believing for you. This is why we chose this subject, because we have been blessed by it. And we have been teaching it at Lydia House. We're going to be teaching a series on this. And Nate and I have gone out a lot and shared how to hear the voice of God. And we teach them to hear it for themselves and then for others, which is prophecy. So we thank you, Father, that you have a voice. We thank you, Jesus, that you have a voice. Your sheep hear your voice. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have a voice. And that Jesus said that you will declare to us things that are to come. And so we're trusting that we will learn to hear better from you as we listen, that you will speak. And that as we listen for others, you will speak to us about others and how we can put strength and encouragement and comfort into them. Thank you, God, that for making us participants. We're not spectators in this big deal. We are actually participants with you. Thank you for making that possible through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time on Things Christians Want to Know.